Welcome back to What You'll Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. Today we are doing a book by the big, big, big man he is, Anthony Robbins. Make you move! Make you move. Awaken the giant within. Take immediate control of your mental, emotional, physical, and financial destiny. And on the front cover, he's kind of looking at you in a really weird kind of... Isn't he? Oh, yeah. He wants you to get the best out of yourself. He wants you to awaken that giant <laughs> that we all have within us. It's like an expect- expectant look, like the giant just about to awaken. <laughs> no, we, all, we all have a giant in us, and that's the thing is most people never awaken it. Absolutely. So he kicks it off with a quote, Deep within man dwell those slumbering powers, powers that would astonish him that he never mm. dreamed of possessing, forces that would revolutionize his, his life, arouse, and put into action. Nice. Orison Sweat Martin. He's a popular guy, Orison Sweat Mate, Martin. It's, like one of, it's, it's one of those people. No one's heard of this dude. It's he's, like, he's got a sick quote. Yeah. You can go up to like a random guy on the street and say, oh, say this, mate. What's your name? And then you just put in a book. <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell is Orison Sweat Martin? Anyway. Mate, this is a... Obviously, it's still part of Juggernaut Month. Mate, this is a physical Juggernaut in that it's 550 plus pages. Mm. Mate, it's heavy. It's large. Much like the man himself, he's a large man, Tony. He's a big boy. And that's a, a juggernaut in terms of, obviously, Tony, super success, successful dude, awesome um, awesome seminars, and uh, a lot of awesome books as well. We've seen him live, and uh, yeah, he's got some got some juice. It's one of those books, man, if you take, if you read actively and you do some of the exercises, yes. I think it's the, probably the only way of getting value out of it, mm-hmm. because the book, it's, it's pretty much uh, date with destiny in a book format, so... Yes. And Date with Destiny, his big seminar is worth like 10 grand or something ridiculous like that. Man, that's a good segue into Destiny. He says that we all have dreams. We all want to believe deep down in our souls that we have a special gift, that we can make a difference, that we can touch others in a special way and that we can make a world a better place. So we all have this, this belief that we are special, that we do have this great destiny ahead of us. Mm. But the reality is, unfortunately, many of us have these dreams. They become shrouded in the frustrations of the daily routines of life that we no longer even make an effort to accomplish these big dreams. So we kind of just shut them out of our life That's and it, forget yeah. they ever were there. For too many people, that, that big dream that we have early on, it dissipates, it fades, it gets hidden at the back somewhere. And with it, we lose our will to shape our destiny. So this book is all about you know, taking control of your own destiny and taking the steps that will awaken this giant that we've got lying dormant within us. Yep. So it's all about creating some change in yourself so you can become an absolute juggernaut and take yeah. on some ripper goals. <laughs> that's it, man. Uh, that's become not the way he articulates in, in that. Month. <laughs> <laughs> he talks about the concentration of power, which is concentration. So the power of concentration in that if we focus consistently on improving in any area, we can develop these unique distinctions and we can make that area better. The issue is though, most people dabble their way through life. So they're um, repetitive dabblers where they try something new, they dabble in it, they never go too deep and they give up and move on to the next thing to dabble in. Instead, we need to decide on one thing to master in. So rather than dabbling our way through life, pick something to master in and, and concentrate on it. Yeah, and go hard on it. Theme common through all our books, not just from mm. uh, the big Tony speaking here. Definitely, mate. So it's all about, you know, change, become the big dog. Yeah. And there's three ways you can change to become the big dog. Mate, well, one way, but three steps. Three steps. Three correct. steps. So step one to create lasting change, which is a, you know, a true, truly valuable change. It's lasting, it's consistent. Step one is raise your standards. Absolutely. So you get to change what you're demanding yourself. Mm. Uh, so if your life is is going at about a five out of ten, but you're happy with that and you're fine with that, then obviously yep. you're not going to have the 
the the will in yourself to really change to make your life in a better way. So if you raise your standards where you're expecting an eight or nine out of ten every day, and then you're probably going to put the actions in place to make your life in the future, you know, closer to that mark. He talks about some people like Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, the great Gandhi, uh, Mahatma. Uh, he talks about they, they addressed uh, society standards as a whole. So obviously they realized that either slavery or racism and et cetera, they're, they're not good standards. They wanted to raise the standards. But us individuals need to look at our own individual standards that we're putting on ourselves. You know, the mm-hmm. standard of what we eat or what we do during the week or how we spend our money. They're all standards that we have for ourselves. And in order to make truly valuable, long-lasting change, we need to raise those standards. Mm. And if you look at one of those people, like say like Gandhi, it's really unbelievable the changes he made in the world just from one person. So he didn't cop the racism that was dealt to him from the start. It wasn't part of his standards. So with that, you know, he had the courage. He says mm. you, the, the same uh, power that was available to them is available to you if you really have the courage to claim it. So it's all about just having the balls to just, just claim that. That's it, man. So after he's raised our standards, step two is change our limiting beliefs. Yes, so our beliefs, what we have deep under the surface, are like unquestionable commands, telling us just how things are, you know, and what's possible, what's impossible. And, and that's so it, forth. mate. Once, if we've raised our standards, but we don't actually believe that we can meet those, we pretty much set ourselves up for, for self-sabotage. We're not going to try as hard as we need to. We're going to be lacking a sense of certainty and conviction, and we're not going to attack it full on. So once you've raised your standards, you need to change those limiting beliefs that say, no, you actually can't do this. Change those to believe that you can. Mm. If you if you believe that something's impossible, obviously, pretty much as a guarantee, you got no hope. Basically, is a certain step. You need to believe that you can do things or your, your beliefs aren't limiting you in what you can actually do. So step three, change your strategy. Now, mate, this quote just popped into my mind. Didn't have it written down. I think it's probably just deep within me from a Tony Robbins <laughs> seminar we went to, mate. If you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. So saying if you keep the same strategy, even if you've raised your standards and corrected those limiting beliefs, if you keep the same strategy, you're going to get the same results. Uh, so you need to change your strategy as step three. Yeah, definitely. So we've all probably got know a few people on the outskirts of our lives who are just keeping on doing the same old thing and the same old thing. It doesn't matter how much drive they've got, they're actually just using the one strategy and they're really getting nowhere. So it's kind of being open enough and flexible to actually just change as things move along. Matt, I'm gonna, uh, this is not a verbatim quote, but isn't Einstein's thing saying that insanity is doing the same thing but expecting a different result? And so obviously that if we do the same thing, we can't expect a different result. If we want a different result, we need to change our strategy. Yep. So the big thing you can do now is is decisions and that's chapter two. So decisions are the pathway to power. Mate, it's our decisions, not the conditions of our lives that determine our destiny. So uh, different people can have the same conditions. It's all about the decisions they make though as to where they eventually end up. So one of the quotes that really slapped me up when we went and saw Tony Robbins, he kind of like hit you with trying to tell you that he says 10 years from now you will surely arrive the question is where who will you become and how will you live and what will you contribute so it's this idea of 10 years from now you're going to be somewhere you might as well start designing you know Mm. that to be in a good place rather than a a shitty little place and designing's the the key word there in that if we want to change our life in 10 years if we wait to 10 years and try to change it's too late we need to start now deciding and start designing so he says right now you can make a decision if you truly decide, like mm. fully decide, you can do almost everything. 
So making a true decision isn't saying like, oh, I'd like to quit smoking. Mm-hmm. It's like cutting off every other possibility. So yes. when you decide, um, you know, there's no other opportunity, possibility of something happening other than what you decide to do. That's it, man. There's a big difference between being interested in something, wanting something, hoping for something, and actually truly committing and deciding. So wanting and hoping is useless. Deciding and committing, that's where the big the big puppers are. Mm. And the big wise Hannibal, the cannibal, he said, <laughs> we will either find a way or make one. That's it, man. So when he decides to gnaw on your brains, you know, he's not, he's <laughs> he's, not having he's steak for decision, dinner. Mate. He's, he's, he's having brains. That's, um, <laughs> you could do that, Hannibal. Mate, three decisions that shape our life. The first one is we decide what to focus on. The second is we decide what they mean to us. And the third, we decide what to do with those in order to create the results that we desire. So obviously, there's a whole bunch of different things we can focus on. We have to decide which. There's a whole different range of meanings that each of those could mean, and we have to decide what they mean. And then obviously, we decide what do we do next. One of the best decisions you can make is to decide to commit yourself to long-term results. So play the long game in life. Don't go for the short-term fixes and he said, this is yeah, this is one of the big things you can do in your life. And you it really is, it. man. Every book, well, not every book, but a big majority talk about in some way or other, delayed gratification. Don't Play go the for the game. short-term wins. Go for the, the long-term satisfaction. That's what it's all about. So chapter three is the force that shapes your life. And I really enjoyed this. Man, the only thing that really controls our life is pain or pleasure. That's everything we do. We're either trying to avoid pain or we're trying to gain pleasure. So everything we're doing, we're either trying to have less pain or more pleasure. So these two things, this is huge, man. These are the things that really direct your life, your compass. You're either moving toward pleasure or away from pain. So if you can master a way of of, mm. of utilizing these two different things for your own advantage, and then you can really knock some big things out of the park. Exactly, man. If you want to um, make change, you have to change what you associate with pain and what you associate with pleasure. So pretty much everything where is you can frame it as either avoiding pain or gaining pleasure. And in order to change, you need to reframe that. Yep. So it's either life controls you or yes. you control life if you can understand, if you can control these forces. Mate, very quotable, this book and this episode, isn't it? Oh, it just is. Short quotes. Absolutely. So he says, what you link pain to and what you link to pleasure to is going to shape your whole life and shape your whole destiny. Mate, a good example is when Tony was 13 and wanted a, wanted a beer because he thought it was really cool. He'd get a lot of pleasure from having a beer and being seen as the, the top dog, the big man of the house drinking a beer. Yeah, exactly, man. We've all been there. So Tony's daddy walked home, you know, drunk every night. He was looking all cool, knocking down beers. <laughs> and Tony one day he was convinced that his biggest next step in his personal growth was to knock down a, you know, a few beers <laughs> like daddy over there. So his mum goes, yep, you know, at first she resisted saying, no, Tony, you're too young. But Tony was committed. He made his decision like Tony does. So the mum said, all right, you can have beers, but one rule, you have to finish all six. She said that, yeah, if you want to be like your dad, then you've got to be like your dad. You can't just have one drink. You've got to have the whole six pack. So he had a few sips and, you know, he washed it down. It didn't taste good, but he acted like he enjoyed it. But, you know, he had to, his mum said, you have to finish it. So after the second beer... Tony's actually an absolute lightweight. He was in the in the basement. <laughs> oh, man, he was thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> man, I was knocking back. No, <laughs> no, but he uh, he was vomiting all over the basin and disgusting. Mate, he obviously would have felt horrible, uh, and 
rather than finishing all six, I'm sure the last thing he wanted to do was drink more beers. But obviously, his mum had said, no, you've got to finish all six. But if you think about it, initially, he thought he was going to get so much pleasure from drinking beers, but all he was getting was a hell of a lot of pain from uh, being absolutely munted. So since that moment at the very start of his life, he developed a gut-level neuroassociation that would guide all his future decisions. And so he links beer to vomit and horrible feelings as opposed to beer to... Fun and pleasure. Fun, pleasure and sex when you're young. Yeah. Which is... <laughs> I'll link it to there. Mate, so you love your beers, obviously. Oh, but absolutely. Tony reckons he hasn't drunk a beer since. Mm. Mate, I wanted to crack a beer with Tony one day, but maybe we'll, not. We'll stick with the Reds, mate. <laughs> if we are, So he says, if we link massive pain to any behavior or emotional pattern, we will in, avoid indulging it at all costs. So we can use this understanding to harness the force of pain and pleasure to change anything in our lives. So if you want to, if you don't want to do something, find any kind of way you can link pain to it and then you'll avoid it. That's it, mate. A sick quote from the great man Archimedes. Give me a lever long enough and a prop strong enough and I can single-handedly move the whole world. And that's it. Basically, what you need is a long lever and a strong prop. So you need a, a lot of pain or a lot of pleasure and you can change whatever you want to change. Yeah, and as an engineer, that I can verify yeah, that's, that's actually... True. Absolutely true. Just a really big, really long yeah, one. A long lever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you've got other forces. <laughs> Mate, so after playing, uh, Pain and Pleasure, chapter four was belief systems. Yes. Yeah, so he, he, he kicks it off with the story of this real dickhead dad. Mm. Yeah. So, it's a, you know, a dad, he's a drug addict. He's tried to kill himself a couple of times, went to jail multiple times, murdered a dude, you know, used to rob places, uh, pretty much bashed anyone who got in his way. And so this bad dude, he had two sons. The first son grew up just like his dad, a drug addict, went to jail, threatened others, almost killed a guy, uh, and pretty much ended up just like his dad. But son two was the exact opposite. He had a good marriage. He had a happy family, three kids. Uh, He was a regional manager for a big company. He was physically fit and wasn't addicted to drugs and never even touched drugs. And Tony asked him, you know, how did you guys end up so differently? And one guy says, well... With a father like mine, how could I grow up any differently? And the second son also said, what else would I become growing up with a father like that? So in both scenarios, both kids had the exact same um, story, the exact same opportunities, and one realized uh, I've got no choice except to follow in his footsteps, and one said I've got no choice except to do the exact opposite. Mm, So the moral of the story is it's never the environment, it's never the events, it's all about the meaning we attach to the events. So you know, there are people out there who have been dealt an extremely bad hand in life but at the same token there have been people who've been dealt such bad hands but use that to make an extremely good life for themselves right so it depends what you use your events to mean for your own life exactly mate so just to reiterate that man it's not the environment it's the meaning that we attach to that as you say maybe one one the son who went the other way attached a lot of pain and believed that that wasn't the way forward so it's just not what happens but what you believe or what you associate with that so it comes down again to all these beliefs that are just, you know, simmering below the surface that aren't really obvious at all. And he kind of like breaks down what an actual belief actually is. What is it, mate? So he says, it's really just a feeling of certainty about something. So if you say, I believe I'm intelligent, you're really saying I feel certain or some sense of certainty that I'm intelligent. And it's the feeling of certainty that allows you to tap into the resources to produce intelligent results. Yeah, if we look back to the very start, remember how we said we had to be certain, we had to have conviction um, when we were we couldn't have these limiting beliefs. So having that belief, having that certainty is what allows you to act. Mm. 
And what makes a belief really stick for yourself? It's all about the references to support mm. the belief. So he says like the belief is like the top of the table. Yep. And then the more reference legs below it, the stronger the belief is. So if, for example, if you know if you say I'm sexy, which is a belief, it had the legs my lover tells me I'm sexy. Yep. Another leg might be I drive a hot car. Another leg might be I look good in jeans. Another one might be I work out every day. So if you have enough reasons to support it, you can really believe anything. That's what yeah, exactly, mate. You're propping up that table with as many legs as possible. The more legs, the stronger that belief is. Obviously, if the belief is propped up by one or two legs, it's not going to be very stable. You could get knocked down pretty easily. Yes. So, you know, there are ways you can... And this is goes into a lot of this kind of NLP, neuro-linguistic programming kind of stuff Tony's all about. But he says you get to knock out the references of the bad beliefs. Yes. So, you know, ask, and he has some exercises in the, bo- in the book where you actually ask a series of questions to knock out the bad rel- beliefs and then ask a series of questions to kind of strengthen the beliefs that are positive in your life because re- these are really the things that shape your destiny is your belief systems. Mate, great segue uh, asking those questions. Ties into another book we did uh, in season two, A More Beautiful Question. And he says that the only way to get good answers is to ask good questions. So that's, yeah, questions is where it's at. That's it. He kicks it off with a really cool story by a a guy named Lech, and he was in the Nazi death camps, right? Mm, Not a good place to be. Definitely one of the worst places you could be in all of history. But, you know, for, for weeks he was asking people, how can we escape this horrible place? And everyone else said to him, don't be a fool, there is no escape. Asking such questions will only torture your soul, you know, having hope that you might get out. But he wouldn't accept it. He thought, how can I do it? How can I do it? There must be a way. He asked himself all the time. And then one day, the answer actually came to him from an unlikely source. So the sickening smell of decaying bodies and flesh. So there was a big pile of dead bodies in the corner about to be dumped away by the truck. Mm. Right? And a lot of people in the death camps were saying, how can the Nazis be so despicable or destructive? But he asked himself, how can I use this to help my escape? And just having that question, it actually came to him. So he ripped off his all his clothes, off his body, and just dove in naked into this pile of rotten flesh when no one was looking, and he pretended to be dead. And later that day in the freezing cold, a truck picked up all the bodies, put in a mass grave, and then he ran butt naked, you know, 20 miles through the woods <laughs> yeah. um, to, his, to his escape, and he got away from it. Mate, so that's the, the difference, was he asked a completely different question. Everyone was concerned about, oh, how can these Nazis be so despicable and so destructive? But he was always looking for the opportunities and asking, how can I use this to my own advantage? How can I use this to escape? As you said, it wouldn't have been a very pleasant experience to lie down and pretend to be dead nude, but... I think uh, in the long run, it was a good good decision brought on by a good question. So questions change everything, man. So if you wake up every day in the morning and your alarm goes off and if you ask yourself, fuck, what do I go to <laughs> my shitty jobs? Why do I go to work? Oh. Yeah. From the very start, your day is going to be a piece of shit, right? Yeah, Compared exactly. to, you know, if you wake up saying, why am I so lucky? Why am mm. I, you know, born in Australia and got all these things going for me and so forth? If you start off with the right questions, your whole day and whole set of events is going to be entirely different. Mate, it's a completely different um, emotional state that you put yourself in based on those questions and based on the vocabulary you used. So essentially, rather than saying, why do I get all this crap dumped on my desk or something like that, you can say, how did I get so lucky to be in this place at this time? And it's uh, different questions and also different vocabulary, mate. Good segue into chapter nine. Yeah, so we'll just chapter on, um, touch on chapter nine. So, you know, obviously every moment of the day, there's billions and billions of bits going through our our filters of our perception and then whatever ends up after our filters is what our actual reality is. 
And questions is part of that. So how we question the world, it kind of changes and skews reality in one direction. But he says another big one, which I really didn't realize, is the idea of vocabulary. So if you find the right word for something, this is actually how it kind of transmutes in your in your life, is kind of defining what the end product of this whole filter of events in your reality actually is. So obviously you can have negative vocabulary, like oh, I'm dreading this, or you can say I'm looking forward to this challenge. So changing dread to challenge or changing from failure to learning or changing from embarrassed to aware some of those, there's some examples of changing one word, which completely changes the whole uh, emotion or the whole idea of what you're trying to say. Mm. So it's changing this whole label will change how you perceive the world completely. It's great and, stuff, um, man. He's got a whole whole bunch of things like that throughout the book, which we, which uh, I guess you're going to have to read the book, or if you got a, if you got a ten grand, you got to go to the seminar. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, you know, he wraps it up toward the end of the book, where he's really calling the big giant in you to come out. And he says, many people in life know what they should do, but they never really do it. And the reason is they never really uh, have the vision for a compelling future. That's it, mate. He says that you need to set yourself giant goals in order to give yourself this giant motivation that will lead to this giant change. So obviously, if we're trying to awaken the giant, we can't have a little bitch goal, can we? Yes. Yeah, so, and if you've got these big goals, you know... It, you're going to be a giant who's going to take him down. You're not going to be a little bitch. Yeah. So he asked the question, what kind of person will I have to become in order to achieve all I want? Right. So you're going to grow into someone new if you've got these big goals as well. That's it, man. He, he says that this, this is probably the most important question you can ask yourself. It's a question that determines the direction that you need to head in. And it's not, what do I need to do? It's, who do I need to become? So uh, what do I need to do? That's a little bitch question. But who do you need to become in order to achieve everything you want? That's a fucking giant question yep. to awaken that giant within. Definitely. And man, the world doesn't have this big shortage of problems. Toward the end of the book, you go through all the different things you can really dedicate your life to from you know, homelessness, poverty, climate change. You know, There's so many different things you can choose from for your life to be about to really make a positive change in the world. So it's how do you want to be remembered? He goes, as a giant amongst men, he says, start acting that way now. Yeah, be a fucking giant against a bunch of little bitch men. Don't be a little fucking bitch. <laughs> become, a, <laughs> become a giant, mate. Set some big goals. Have belief in yourself. Make the decision. Go towards that pleasure and fucking become a giant. Giant that. <laughs> giant that shit. <laughs> uh, overall, man, uh, I uh, didn't, didn't love it. <laughs> mate, I'd rather go to a seminar than read a 550-page book. Just... Mm. Mate, it seemed a bit repetitive. Some of the stories are pretty weak. But, uh, mate, the the cream of... If this was a 120-page book, it'd be some top-notch shit. Yeah, absolutely. It's absolute cream. And it really is just a, um, his seminars written out in, in book format. So it's really not for a book. It's more for a seminar. But if you find a way to actively listen, I think you can get a lot of value, more value than, say, 30 bucks. Um, oh, yeah. If you mate, can get... This, I, just, I just thought I'd better just check this. Mate, this is 1991, so this is almost 30 years old, this book. Mm. Um, and as you say, reading the book, uh, I didn't love it, but if you actually took the time to not just speed read it, but actually do the exercises and stuff, ask the questions, take the actions in the book, oh, much more worthy yeah. than buying the book for 20, 30 bucks. Yeah, if you don't actively do it and do the exercises in it, I'll give it a 2 out of 10, mm-hmm. but... I personally give it a 7 out of 10 with everything considered. Yep. I was expecting higher, mate. I'm also going to give it a 7, but I felt like you enjoyed it a lot more than I did. Absolutely. I kind of just, I was probably feeling like 8, but I just said 7 <laughs> came out of my mouth. <laughs> mate, 7 for me. It's too late to change, though, isn't it? <laughs> it's out there. Oh, how, can you, how quickly can you change? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a Tony reference there. It's a inside joke for anyone who's been on like Chappelle. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, the winner of the, the fan of the week who did something great was Well and Happy on Instagram. Mate, so they shared uh, their top five favorite podcasts. Uh, what You'll Learn was one, so thank you very much. Another one was Art of Charm, which uh, uh, a bit of inside knowledge for anyone who's listening that Jordan Harbinger, the former host of Art of Charm, we're going to sit down and interview him later in the year. Yep, so send us a message and we'll send you a book, any book. Working giant within, fucking change your life, become a giant. Yep, giant, that shit up. She already is a bit of a giant. She's got a fair following on Insta. So yeah, check her out, well and happy. 